This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Italian fashion house Dolce & Gabbana trying to clean up a PR mess in Chicago, or I should say in China, excuse me, that could cost it billions. Last month, the luxury brand launched three ads on the Chinese social media network Weibo to promote its scheduled Shanghai runway show. The video shorts in which an Asian woman in a Dolce & Gabbana dress tries to eat various Italian foods were viewed as disrespectful and racist, leading to a boycott by e-commerce and retail companies. Celebrities have also spoken out about the Dolce & Gabbana approach. Although the designers apologized, it was revealed that co-founder Stefano Gabbana had a number of offensive Instagram posts about China. He claims his account was hacked, but the Shanghai runway show was canceled. With more on this story, we are joined by Marshall Meyer, Emeritus Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. Also by Tomei Serdari, who's an adjunct marketing professor at the NYU Stern School of Business and business editor of Luxury, History, Culture, and Consumption. And also with us is Carlos Torelli, Professor of Business Administration and Executive Director of Executive Education at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Marshall, Tomei, Carlos, thank you all for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much to be here. Thank you. Carlos, start with you. How big of a problem is this for for Dolce & Gabbana right now? Well, this is a really big problem, considering that it's a big market for luxury brands, and they really messed up big time. Uh, This is a classic example of uh, a bad decision, then double down on, on a bad response. So trying to clean it up now, but... Definitely, the, the impact in terms of lost business is already being felt. Well, they've been dropped from multiple retailers, and, and just the backlash is just tremendous. Tommy, your thoughts? Uh, I completely agree, and uh, it's interesting to see that that uh, takes place from time to time with fashion companies, and I think there is an inherent problem with how fashion companies operate, mixing too much of their creative talent and leadership with what the company is doing business-wise. So um, we have seen it um, several years ago with John Galliano and his comments when he was working with Yor, uh, and now this very big mess for Dolce Gabbana. So I'm raising a flag for companies in that industry to rethink their leadership and how they allocate responsibilities between creative and business. Marshall, you have uh, looked significantly over the years about the Chinese culture, and and this really does show that when you have an instance like this, they are a very proud culture. They have, uh, you know, they rely on history a great deal in terms of of how they run that country, and it really does show the type of reaction that the Chinese people will have when you have an instance like this. Um, absolutely. I, I looked at those video clips and I just I just shuddered. Um, I think in any culture, um, uh, the um, portrayal of eating uh, inappropriately is going to lead uh, to a negative response. Uh, this said, there's a long history of consumer boycotts in China. Um, is this any different from uh, earlier boycotts? It remains to be seen. And we should note that in those videos, the woman uh, in the video is seen trying to eat a pizza with chopsticks, also a, uh, an oversized cannoli as well. So th- this really, uh, and when you think about it from from the marketing perspective, Carlos, 
there there are a variety of losses in in trying to take this approach when the goal of your company is trying to relate to the consumer. Yep, and it's uh, you know I think their their rationale was to be humorous, uh, but uh, it really didn't cause a laugh. It caused a, a big backlash and. You know, it's sometimes brands want to differentiate by doing different things, by being a little bit outrageous, and, and, and you know, and, and in luxury, sometimes you can try to get away with that because of the high status that these brands have. But I just can't understand what were through their mind when they were doing this. You know, it's, it's like they, they tried to create the most outrageous thing, not considering the consequences. So, so it's so blatantly disgusting that I, I just it's, for me it's incomprehensible how this passed uh, you know any marketing test tell me how large is the luxury market in china right now and obviously for a company like dolce and gabbana they have uh, the e-commerce end of it but they also have uh, quite a few stores as well uh, within that country uh, you're talking about the potential loss of billions of dollars over years because of this failure Yes, it is billions of dollars, especially if you think that um, while brick-and-mortar stores are extremely important uh, in China, really Chinese uh, consumers shop online, and they're very, very savvy in how they find their products, how they find information about the company, the designers, and how important these fashion companies that they want to uh, purchase from are, are in the world. So the global uh, positioning of this companies is very important for Chinese and they have access to all internet tools. They're very, very savvy and they can cause a really big harm to those companies that do not uh, subscribe with the rules. But if I may add something to what Carlos said about the humor aspect of that story, um, it is very important in luxury to be able to present humorous campaigns, but it's also important to do it um, to have the, the joke on you. So it would have been very different if the Italians were in China not knowing how to eat Chinese food rather than making a campaign where Chinese are portrayed not knowing how to eat Italian. And I think it would have made a whole world of difference if they had approached that um, um, uh, cultural difference from that perspective rather than what they did. And, and here are the consequences, losing billions of dollars in business. Marshall, you agree? Absolutely. How then do you think this is going to impact uh, Dolce and Gabbana with the the Chinese people in, over the next few years? Hard to tell. Um, again, uh, let's go back in history, and the history goes way, way back. Um, there were boycotts, believe it or not, against Coca Cola in Shanghai in the late 1940s, before liberation in China. Um, we've seen um, Korean products boycotted. In fact, a major Korean department store closed because China was very concerned about the placement of U.S. anti-ballistic missiles uh, in Korea. Um, We've seen anti-Japanese boycotts. Um, I read a recent poll uh, from FT saying that more than 50 percent of Chinese consumers would be willing to boycott U.S. brands if asked to do so. So Hmm. this is very, very significant. Do you think that Dolce & Gabbana eventually pulls out, Marshall? Pulls out of China altogether because of this? I I can't judge that. My guess would be not because 
in so many cases, for example, the dispute Starbucks had because of their location in the Forbidden City, um, they managed to recover from it. And ultimately, if if they've got the right goods and if they make the right apologies, they'll take a hit. Uh, but my guess would be ultimately they can recover. There are many, many cases of recovery. Carlos? Yes, same thing. I think that they, they really started in, in, with the wrong foot with the, you know, the, the leaking of the emails that supposedly were hacked accounts and some, you know, really not accepting responsibility is one of the recipes for, for a bad response. Uh, but now they, they, they put their, their, their video in which they are apologizing. It doesn't really look that that well done, if you ask me. You know, I think they could have done better, but, but it's, a, it's a first step. And I can imagine that they are trying to figure out a plan to recover. And there are many different ways in which they could do that. You know, they, they, they first they could try to be more more sensitive to Chinese culture and incorporate uh, perhaps Chinese designers into a new you know a new campaign or a new a new models and uh, try to be more uh, try to really be authentic in what they do, no, not just uh, this uh, blatant disregard of the cultural sensitivities. Right. Uh, but eventually, uh, uh, you know, there are multiple examples of brands that recover from these blunders. It also, uh, it also does, Carlos, show the impact of social media in China. And we talk about it, how powerful it is here in the United States, but it is just as power powerful, if not more powerful, in China right now. Yeah, that's true, and, and you know, and, and that's something that for these global brands is just incomprehensible that they don't understand that Chinese consumers are very sophisticated. You know, these stereotypes of of, of uh, you know Asian consumers being you know put down compared to Western consumers is just ridiculous. It's uh, now in China, you know, the access to social media and how much uh, business is conducted uh, online is just unbelievable compared to to Western standards. So they should have known better. Tell me the 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 boycotts by the e-commerce companies. Uh, how significant are they in your mind? And then also, how long do you think that these companies will stay with them? Will they keep Dolce and Gabbana off of their sites for the foreseeable future? Uh, I do think that that relates back to your question about recovery. I think it was the right thing to do because they too have um, a name to maintain in the market, so they wouldn't want to um, alienate their own consumers by having products that are not welcome in Chinese culture. So that was the right thing to do. Uh, I do believe that Dolce Gabbana as a company can recover uh, slowly with the correct steps as discussed already, um, and that retailers will eventually um, um, rekindle the, the relationship with the company, especially because while social media has been very bad in magnifying the problem right now, it's also very interesting that something else will happen and it takes um, over so quickly that one scandal is forgotten once another one hits the market. Um, and that is true with everything that goes viral. So if create Activity is maintained, and if the company takes the correct business steps to rekindle these relationships, I do think that the retailers and e-tailers are going to re-include them on their merchandising. But also, not only does Dolce Gabbana have to deal with issues in China, from what I read there, they're also dealing with issues back in Italy as well from, from Chinese citizens who may live there or are visiting there who are making their displeasures known at stores in Italy as well, Tomoyi. 
Yeah, it is a global phenomenon. I think this is what a lot of companies are forgetting. It's not you cannot be um, designing a different strategy for one culture only. We are in a global economy, and particularly when we think about the Chinese. The Chinese have completely um, uh, supported the Italian economy. This is what supports the Italian economy today in Italy. It's all the tourists, but also Chinese who have made Italy their second um, uh, place of residence, and they're spending uh, millions of dollars in luxury goods. I don't know how many people actually believe that the that the uh, the emails and the posts by uh, Stefano Gabbana were were his or if he was actually hacked to me. Uh, but that that really, unfortunately, doubles down on the problems for for Dolce and Gabbana right now. Yes, uh, it does. And and again, this is why I said when we started our conversation that there needs to be a different uh, way of approaching business uh, and how to separate the creative talent from the company or the business profile on social media. Um, uh, Yes, creatives are important, but you cannot have a voice that is louder than the voice of the company itself. And therefore, either there needs to be re-education or a different way of handling um, uh, social media of celebrity designers. Marshall, I mean, it it does go again to what the expectations are of the Chinese people. And as I mentioned at the top, their their culture is is a very proud one and and has a, a great line of history that they involved in their culture still today. And the 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 lack of understanding here uh, by Dolce and Gabbana is it really I think it's a wake up call for probably not only Dolce and Gabbana, but for a lot of companies who want to go into the Chinese market, which we know is going to be a very important one in the years to come. Well, I agree. It's a lack of understanding. But I also think there's a a, a deeper, uh, perhaps more subtle problem here. Um, uh, China, when it opened up uh, remarkably 40 years ago, um, uh, gave lots of advantages to foreign companies in places like Shanghai, Shenzhen, etc., the special economic zones. So foreign companies and foreign brands got deeply rooted in China before Chinese brands got established. And so you look today globally, um, there's only a handful of Chinese brands, ironically, Huawei among them, um, that have global presence. And so, in some sense, any foreign brand in China is walking on a a tightrope, if you will, because on the one hand, given the history, the foreign brands are attractive, prestigious, but they also remind China that they're a little behind in developing the brands of their own companies. Carlos, your thoughts? Yep, I think that's that's a great point. You know, I always tell, you know, I, I've, I've been teaching in China for many years. Uh, I teach a class <clears throat> in an executive program, and I, I, I'm always fascinated by how much uh, Chinese students are really interested in cracking the branding. You know, I I always tell my students here that the day the Chinese can figure out how to make global brands properly, you know, the rest of the world is going to be in trouble. 
because they already make the goods. You know, they just don't yeah. capitalize on the on the value added from the branding. But but they are doing many smart things. You know, they are acquiring multiple brands, hiding behind well-established brands to then grow these brands, uh, organically growing their own brands. So in the years to come, it's going to be a lot more competitive. You know, we're starting to see Chinese brands becoming savvier. Um, the more they do it, the more strongest competition they're going to find in these global brands that are already flourishing in, in, in the Chinese market. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah, I agree. And to that, I want to add that we have so many Chinese students who are doing great, actually, in business education, graduate business education, and yet we have not seen... Uh, recruitment of these students in any kind of uh, Western company. And I think that is a great loss. And it's a great loss um, for both parties. Obviously, the Chinese want to be more integrated and learn, as Carlos was just saying. But um, European and American companies would learn a ton from these young people who are very, very talented. They're eager to work. They're eager to be integrated in Western society. And they would teach us uh, how to be culturally sensitive, uh, particularly in the Chinese market. Marshall, in in the state of, of, of the country right now, and, and these ads, uh, as was mentioned earlier, are being viewed as, as racist by a lot of people that uh, that live in China or, or, or are of Chinese descent living in other parts of the world. The issue of racism is obviously one that's been discussed a lot here in the United States. How How prevalent is the issue of racism in China? I can't put a number on it. And obviously, it's a very sensitive topic. Um, the only thing I'd say is that if you observe interactions uh, between Western and Chinese firms, um, uh, there was a point, and I'll put this in the past, um, where um, comments that could be interpreted as racist um, were made, and occasionally, and I can remember one specific occasion, but will not provide specifics over the air, um, the word racism could be used. I'm not sure that would happen today, however. Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, we, we live in a time where racism, unfortunately, is increasing. I don't know why. The, I mean, we, we do know why this is happening, but it's, it's, it's prevalent in, in every culture. It has to do with the levels of um, education and sophistication. I think you see much more of that um, in the masses, which obviously affect uh, the, the numbers of sales uh, for companies who want to uh, sell in volume. But you see... Um, better relationships at the top. And this is why I insist that uh, that strategy needs to be seen again to be reexamined and see how you can include many more people um, in, in uh, either location to create that sort of intercultural relationship. I guess in many cases, Tommy, a lot of people say that when you're talking about trying to market to another culture, there are times where people will not have the right understanding. This is obviously an example of, of well beyond that and, and the level of mistake being extreme. But when you think about companies, and especially in this luxury brand, when you're talking about global entities, these are companies that deal with these types of issues on a daily basis, right? 
Yes, they do because uh, they they have a global presence. But you know, it's it's very hard to truly uh, understand a culture from within. It's not only knowing the facts and knowing historical facts and understanding what is going on in everyday life, but you need to understand the subtleties of language, the subtleties of visual culture that has existed before you entered that market. And for that, you need a person who is not necessarily a business person, someone who has uh, a, a, a very deep cultural uh, education and training and can help you translate these things to correct ad campaigns and business strategies, etc. Carlos? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, it reminds me that many Western companies uh, uh, sometimes face challenges because this notion of superiority that prevents you to opening your mind to the markets where you're operating, this idea that I know everything that needs to be known, so then, you know, why should I bother really uh, uh, researching what's going on in, in the local markets where I'm operating? But, you know, that... 20, 30 years ago when competition wasn't as strong, when, you know, the very few brands that dominated the world, you know, they didn't have as strong challengers, that might have been okay, but not anymore, you know. All of these brands are, are competing with each other. I mean, the number of global competitors in the luxury, many different luxury markets is growing and growing. Uh, so the more you can really get deep understanding of your cultural markets, the better. And, you know, as Tommy was saying, you know, this, this sometimes requires hiring people and change your management practices to hire people that bring that diversity and that really deep understanding of the culture that you cannot gain through a briefing. You know, it requires sometimes deep immersion. Uh, uh, but with the right talent in the company and the right mindset to be open-minded to understand you know, the markets where you operate, uh, you know, managers can really acquire this deep understanding that can help them avoid this type of mistake. But then there's, it's also, Carlos, the, the understanding of the reaction that you get on social media these days and the fact that the negative reaction comes a lot quicker than maybe it did 30 or 40 years ago, pre-internet days. Uh, the, the fact that in the span of putting an ad out like that, you can have negative reaction seconds later, and it just it, it, it spiderwebs and grows so quickly. These are things that I'm sure companies are aware of, but maybe to a degree they forget from time to time. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, it, 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 it takes a different mindset to operate in today's business. You know, any company that doesn't have a, a crisis management team to operate uh, and, and clean shop when something happens uh, in social media is really missing the point. You know, we have multiple examples of companies that have been very slow to respond to what happens online. Uh, and online, it's here to stay and, and it's growing. So with the growth of social media, it com some companies have been really slow to incorporate that into their business processes. You know, from a PR perspective, you know, in the good old days, you, you would wait, get, gather everybody in a, in, a, in, a, in a room, plan a response, and then issue a press release. That, that's not the case anymore. You know, you get these things in the public eyes and you need to respond very quickly. So you have to have crisis plans that have been already developed uh, that you can just kick into action once you see that something is lighting up uh, in social media and not wait for these, you know, clumsy responses that that then what show is just incompetence uh, uh, yeah. in, in, in a globalized world. Great having you all with us today. Thank you, Marshall. Tommy, thank you as well. Carlos, great uh, having you on the show. Great thank talking you. with great. you. Thank, thank you.
Thank you. Marshall Meyer from here at the Wharton School, Tomei Sodari from NYU, and Carlos Torelli from the University of Illinois. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.